2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eighty-five of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, we're going to dive straight into part one. Part one starting with the reviewing from last weekend. We're going to start with a card that took place last Friday at the Motorpoint Arena in Cardiff, Wales. Two fights, really, to mention on the bill. Um, I will just give a little honourable mention there to Chantelle Cameron. She looked pretty good. She got a win. ...over Karina Kapinska, who's obviously an ex-opponent of Katie Taylor. So it was good to see that she did pretty well on her pro debut. Um... But no, the two fights that I was going to mention there, Craig Kennedy, 16-0 and 0 going into this fight against Matty Askin. Craig Kennedy pretty much untested domestically, but he looked to be quite good. And I said it on last week's show, if he was to win that fight, then he really becomes the top man domestically, you know, at uh, Cruiserweight. You know, you'd have to put him just underneath or just around around the same kind of level of uh, Bob Adjasaf, maybe just in that kind of mix. He obviously took on a guy who you'd have to say is... Pretty much the best domestically. Matty Askin, who was twenty one and three with one draw. Um yeah, so Craig Kennedy, we thought he could possibly get a win here, but it was not to be. He was brutally knocked out in round six. It was pretty hefty knockout, to be honest there, so Matty Askin stamps his authority, he moves to 22 wins, 3 losses and 1 draw, and Craig Kennedy gets his first blemish, it was for the vacant British cruiserweight title, that one, so Matty Askin picks that up. Um, Also on the bill, top of the bill really, Andrew Selby took on Christopher Rosales, and I said it was some kind of eliminator for the WBC flyweight title, I think it was a final eliminator, if I'm not mistaken, but nonetheless, Andrew Selby, I I think he started the fight a little bit nervous and I can't really blame him for that you know he did say just before the fight that this kid has been giving him nightmares the guy was only 22 but he was tough as they come Andrew Selby was down in the first round and I thought wow what's all that about it was weird he went down and everybody just kind of went silent and the referee wasn't straight away on it to give the count so it looked a bit like was it a slip what was it and um, rightly so, the referee started the count and, you know, he got up. He didn't really look hurt too much and um, he ultimately got the job done over 12 rounds. I think the scorecards were a little bit wide in my opinion, but no, Andrew Selby did what he does. You know, he's, I always talk about his footwork. His footwork's absolutely tremendous and, um, you know, it, it, it was a good fight. It was the best fight, the most competitive fight that we've seen him in, but... You know, Christopher Rosales obviously came to the table relatively unknown, but he goes back now to South America with a record of 23 and 3. Andrew Selby keeps his unbeaten record intact. He's now 9 and 0, and it looks like he's going to be fighting for a title in the near future, absolutely. But no, I think Rosales put up a good effort. He's only 22, and, um, you know, it was, I don't know, you can kind of get the measuring stick out. He did take on Cal Yafai, so there's that to look at, but. You know, it is what it is. You, you know, styles make fights and you know the rest. But that's it for Cardiff Wales. Moving over now to the Boca Raton Hotel and Club in USA this one, there is one fight to mention on this bill, I just wanted to really give just this one fight a mention um, the Olympian the, the, the Chinese Olympian Zilil Zhang 15 and 0, he's a southpaw uh, he moved to 16 and 0 with a TKO in round 1 against Curtis Harper uh, Curtis Harper, probably the hardcore might remember his name, Curtis Harper gave Chris Ariola a real life and death fight a couple years back so uh, yeah, that's really why we gave him a mention there. That's a good win there for Zalil Zhang. Moving over now from the USA to another part of the USA in Chicago, Illinois. One fight to mention on this bill. Two fights to mention on this bill. Mike Malhai Alvarado moved to 37 wins. He you know, he's he's obviously seen better days. He's got four losses on his resume as well. He took on Matthew Strode and he picked up an impressive TKO victory in the second round over Matthew Strode. So, good win there for Mike Alvarado. And also on that bill, making his second pro appearance, Michael Conlon moved to 2-0 and with a TKO in round three against Alfredo Chanez, who had a record of 4-4. Four and four. Uh, Chanes was also down in the first round. So, a decent little win there for Michael Conlan Moving over now to Mexico. One fight to mention over here. Orlando Salido picked up his 44th career win against Arcides Perez, who had a record of 30 and 9, now 30 and 10, with two draws. Um, it was a strange one. Perez retired in his corner at the end of the seventh round. But in Mexico, um, it's, it's funny because if you retire on your stall, the referee still counts you out so he retired and the referee still gave a count while he was sitting on his stall and counted him out so I'm not sure why they do that but it is what it is Orlando Salido picks up the win it's a stoppage win of course and um I heard he didn't look too impressive doing it I didn't see the full fight I've seen a couple of clips but uh Nonetheless, we thought we'd give it a mention there. Moving over now from Mexico to the big one last weekend at Bramall Lane Football Ground, Sheffield, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. We're going to start with the undercard. We're going to start with a couple of fights. I'm just going to whiz through a couple of fights that um, we're not going to really talk too much about. Lawrence Acoli picked up another first round knockout. It was scheduled for four rounds at Cruiserweight, but he didn't need those rounds. He moves to 3-0 and now. Uh, again, he was supposed to take on Russell Henshaw. That fight didn't happen. He ended up taking on Rudolf Hellesick, who was actually unbeaten in two contests as well. So both men were 2-0 and going into that. Lawrence Ciccoli came out the victor. His opponent was down twice in that first round. Uh, Joe Caldina moved to 3-0. and He picked up a, well, stoppage actually in the first round. His opponent retired at the end of round one. It was a strange one. Um... The less said, the better, really, on that one. But uh, moving over now to the other fight. A man that was making his debut on this card. The pro debut of Anthony Fowler. He picked up a TKO in round one. So all three Olympians picking up first round stoppages here. Anthony Fowler's one was... um, Well, it was a bit strange, really. He actually hit his opponent while he was down. But I will say this about... Anthony Fowler. I think that Anthony Fowler, I really think it was definitely um, accidental. I think there's no, um, you know, there's there's no way he, he did that on purpose. And straight after the fight, in the post-fight interview, he did actually acknowledge um, that it was a foul. It was a foul. It was a shot that, you know, he's an illegal shot. But it was weird because he put him down and then hit him when he was down. And then, obviously, the guy went, on his back kind of thing and the referee didn't give it a count didn't take a point away didn't disqualify anything he just let him get back up brushed off his gloves and and basically forgot about the knockdown so it was weird but he did end up getting to him later that round so he gets to the stoppage win there Anthony Fowler. But that's it for that one. Moving up the bill, Atif Shafiq picked up his 17th win. He's got two losses on the record as well. He picked up a points win over four rounds against Dean Evans. Also on the bill, Andy Townend. He actually opened up the show on the live Sky Sports box office telecast. Uh, he picked up the, uh, the TKO in round two against John Kayes. John Kayes has seen better days, but... Um, Andy Townend, we obviously know he failed to make the weight, so the, the belt wasn't on the line for him. It was the vacant Commonwealth title. Um, but no, Andy Townend actually, you know, he, he started the the card with with a good knockout, and he looked he looked pretty good in that fight. Uh, obviously, he's going to now be moving up in weight. But no, good little win there for him. And John Kay's now twenty two and six with one draw. Andy Townend nineteen and. Four, um, Also on the bill, Jamie Cox, his first fight with Matram. He went into the fight with a record of 21-0. Took on Lewis Taylor, 19-3. With One draw, it was for the vacant WBA Continental Super Middleweight title. Um, Taylor was cut in an accidental head clash. I can't remember what round it was, but it was quite early, um, if I'm not mistaken. And Jamie Cox looked a little bit over eager, a little bit desperate. He wanted to try and make a statement on on that card there. And I think he was he wasn't fighting with the right game plan to be honest. Again, his head was going in a little bit too much for most people's likings. It, you know, he, he was he was he was doing pretty well, but some of the rounds I think I don't think like he he was making it hard for himself. That's that's what I will say he was definitely making it hard for himself and you know it was a close-ish fight I think he was probably winning at the time of the technical decision obviously because the cut got bad and the doctor stopped it in that ninth round, so it went down to the scorecards, which Jamie Cox was ahead. I can't remember the scorecards, but I thought he was ahead, to be honest. But no, Lewis Taylor gave a, a good account of himself. He's obviously very tough as well. But Jamie Cox really wants to be on that world level. So maybe it was a fight. I don't know. I say he was he was over eager. He was really trying to impress. Maybe it's just a fight where he thought, look, this guy's got no chance against me, and I'm going to take him lightly. It could have been either one. But uh, we do like Jamie Cox, so we're going to wish him all the very best for the future. He now moves to 22-0, and as I said, he really does want to be in there with some of the bigger boys in the division. No disrespect to Lewis Taylor. Also on the bill for the vacant Commonwealth heavyweight title, Dave Allen went into this fight against Len Roy Thomas. We didn't really know too much about him apart from he was from Jamaica. He was a southpaw. He was a sparring partner for some of the top guys in the division, including Anthony Joshua. Dave Allen went into the fight with a record of eleven and two, with one draw. Lemroy Thomas was twenty and four. Now, this fight in times was a little bit hard to score. Uh, Lemroy Thomas looked good when he was jabbing with that southpaw jab but he neglected it most of the time for me he stood square on a little bit too much which resulted in him being hit a lot he showed a bit of speed in bursts but not enough of it um sometimes he would also start the rounds really slow and then come alive in the last minute and a half to probably try and steal the round i think that perhaps played a part in some of the um some of the judging ultimately at the end of the fight um I don't know. He, he kept fighting really good in bursts, but he wasn't active enough for me. Dave Allen was a little bit one-dimensional. Uh, he needs to be a lot lighter as well for future fights. And Dave Allen kept leaning on him and even went in with a head at one point. A point was taken in the eighth round, which um, could have been crucial in that fight, to be honest. Um, it, the, the point was taken away from from Lemroy Thomas. So... Uh, I thought that, to be honest, that really could swing the fight in Dave Allen's favour. But, no, I think Dave Allen was a little bit fortunate to not get a point took away from him. I think that, um, as I said, he definitely needs to be lighter. He was way, way, way too heavy. And I know that he took that fight serious, but he was quite a lot heavier than Lemroy Thomas. Dave Allen kept making the most of of the low blows. There was quite a few going in there from Lemroy Thomas. I suppose you can't really... Uh, blame him for making the most of that but no there was a lot of leaning there was no point taken it was I was I was a little bit gutted to see Dave Allen lose he's a friend of the show I didn't score the fight but I felt that he won it but I've got to be honest as much as I love Dave Allen and that goes without saying the amount of times we've had him on the show and that but I did stick one pound on Leroy Roy Thomas to win on points 40 seconds into the first round I just I just fancied it. I saw a tiny burst of skill inside the first 40 seconds and the snappy jab at first. And whether that is because I've got an eagle eye of boxing or it was just pure luck is something I do not know. But um, obviously it went down as a split decision in the end. And two judges gave it to Lemroy Thomas, which means he won the fight. But uh, it was a good, good fight. I've got to say both men were really, really great afterwards they both showed a lot of sportsmanship i'm gutted for dave allen but you know it was it was a strange situation i believe that Lenroy thomas hasn't seen his mother for about 20 years he's going to return back to jamaica with the commonwealth strap and also um he revealed that he was working in kfc a year ago and Dave Allen, obviously a big fan, famously, of KFC. So that was a little bit ironic there. But no, nonetheless, best of luck to both guys. Really um, tremendous fellas outside the ring, it would show in that post-fight interview. So they both definitely deserve the very best for the future. Dave Allen now 11-3 and with one draw. A record that's not looking too great, to be completely honest on paper. And Lenroy Thomas, twenty. 20- one wins and four losses. Also on the bill, George Groves took on Fedor Chudinov. And I'm not going to lie, I did put £5 on Fedor Chudinov to win on points. I was just a little bit worried about the fact he'd been out of the ring for quite a while. It was for the vacant WBA Super World Super Middleweight title. So it's, it's not the silly regular thing. It's not the interim. It was the full belt there on the line. Firstly, I as I'm going to come over to you about this fight, what did you make of George Groves and Fedor Chudinov? I'll tell you something, right?
3: In last week's show, I did say, yeah, I go, I'm gonna go with Groves win, and I actually, that happened. But I went for a point. So, and I'll tell you something, right? I didn't. I thought in the first two rounds, right, Tudenil was really harsh on Groves. He was pushing him back, and Groves was start was was starting slow. And obviously, as the as the rounds progressed, uh, Groves went on and won the fight by a knockout. Was it was a knockout? And obviously. This, has been, this is the fourth time that Groves had a title shot, and he's finally done it. He's lost, obviously, t- twice to Carl Froch, one by n- stoppage, the other one by a knockout. He lost to Jack on points, and now he's finally actually won a world title by beating Tudinov. I remember watching the fight, right, and Carl Froch actually stood up and started clapping for his, his ex-enemy, which is George Groves. And to, show, to tell you something now, now that Groves has won a world title, he's going to be getting some big fights coming down the line. Hopefully, like... If DeGale fight um, DeG- There could be a DeGale fight down the line In a unification If Callum Smith uh, beats Anthony Durrell That could be a unification But I tell you something Now Groves is one of the world's top He's going to be at the top
2: Yeah he certainly is He's got a big profile along with the belt now So you know it kind of makes me think I'm not sure if the Gal fight will happen Because you know they couldn't see eye to eye Because I think that George Groves Was maybe asking a little bit too much When he didn't have a belt Well now he's got a belt He's going to surely be asking even more. So I'm not sure the fight will happen, but it'd be nice to see it. Um, My thoughts on the fight. Firstly, George was being backed up a lot. He was on the back foot. Um, Chudnov was being pretty much his usual self. He's pretty basic, but he's very effective at what he does. Um, I actually had it 1-1 after two rounds. I I gave him a round apiece. In the third round, I gave it to Groves. In the fourth round, I gave it to Groves. So it was 3-1. And in the fifth round, I gave it a 10-10 round. I think both guys, um, you know, did pretty well in that fifth round there. And I think that Groves was even showing early signs of fatigue. That's what I initially thought in that fifth round. In the sixth round, Trudinov took a lot of punishment. He couldn't really defend the right hook at all. He was just getting hit with that at will, if you like. He became a bit of a sitting duck as well. He, he you know, he, he didn't, he didn't go down though. He, he definitely showed some grit, some toughness there, and we know that he's like that. He is tough as nails, just like his brother. But he wasn't throwing back. So I initially watched it and I thought it was a tiny bit premature, but I can't argue with the stoppage because he was not throwing back. So it was one of them ones where. He was weathering the storm because he was taking the shots. He wasn't, you know, he didn't go down. He he didn't look like he was going to be going down. You know, he didn't really look too troubled by it. But then it's like, can you really blame the referee? If he's not answering back, you can't really blame him. But it would have been interesting if they did let it go on. Because I thought, as I said, that the round earlier, I thought that Groves looked a little bit tired there because it was a very fast-paced fight. And I'd like to see what would have happened after that big combination, that big flurry, I think he was he was throwing shots for something like 50 seconds that were unanswered. So, you can't really blame the referee, to be honest. But, I just don't know what he would have had left after that. And, let's be fair, we don't really know what Tudonov would have had left. But, it definitely would have been interesting. But, no, I think you can't really argue with a stoppage, to be honest. But, a good win there for George Groves. I'm very, very happy for him. He's... um. You know, he's a good fighter, man. But that's one of those fights I, as you predicted, grows to win. I predicted I went against the grain. And it didn't pay off. So the the scoreball is now, the prediction league now, is five to me and four to you. So the gaps closed a little bit there. Definitely closing up, you're definitely catching up with me. Um, hopefully, not for too long. So, Groz is now 26 and 3. He's the new WBA Super World Super Middleweight Champion, Fedor of 14 and 2. And his first legitimate loss on his record because we all know what happened in the Felix Sturm situation. Also, going over to the top of the bill now. Kel Brook, thirty-six and one, coming off of that loss to Golovkin, coming down two weight classes to defend his title. He didn't run. He proved everybody and all the doubt was wrong. He was going to stand there and he was going to defend his title proudly, as as he should do, to be honest. But no, I, you know, I was really happy with him taking this fight. I was, I was proud of him, and he got in there against a relatively unknown guy, a guy that has stopped some people that really. Had no right to to stop them. And, you know, he was definitely looking the goods. We've heard a lot about Errol Spence, but he'd never showed it on the big stage under the lights. And he'd never been on the road as well. But he came over here and did the business. He moves to 22-0. Kell Brook now 36-2. and Obviously, we're going to talk about the fight right now. I'm going to start with you, eyes. A crazy, crazy fight. It was one that where there was many rounds that were very, very hard to score. I definitely saw the fight a lot different from a lot of other people did when I, you know, when when the fight ended and I was asking people what they thought about it. What did you make of the fight?
3: What a fight it was. I'll tell you something, right? Before the fight, yeah, Errol Spence Jr. was coming in as the favourite and obviously the champion, which was Kelbrook, ex-world champion, Kelbrook was coming in as an underdog. Now, before the fight, right, everyone was saying, you know, you could vacate this belt and go up to 154 and fight a little bit light middle, but Kelbrook's like, no, I want to fight uh, 147 pounds, which is the welterweight division. Now, this fight, i tell you something, right? From the start, right, Kell was performing very good with that jab. And obviously, he's got, you can tell, but he's got some powerful punches. But as you uh, um, kept jabbing him, jabbing him, jabbing him, and Errol Spence did trip up a couple of times. But apparently, according to Errol Spence in the interview, he said that none of his punches hurt. Um, none of Kell Brook's punches hurt him. But come towards the fifth round, after the fifth round, Errol Spence was hitting him with a couple of clean shots. But after the fifth rounds. That's when Errol Spence got into the rhythm and was hitting, hitting Brook a lot. And towards the 7th, 8th round, um, I remember seeing Brook in an interview saying, he was saying, oh yeah, I can see my eye going. And you can tell that was like the Golovkin one. It's like the Golovkin scenario. And what is, with er- Errol Spence, like if you look at his previous fights, when he fought Chris Salgiri, Leonard Bondu, Chris Van Hervan, what he does, he hits them with a the body. He goes for the body a lot. And that's what he was doing with Kell Brook. And obviously, what's happened... In that that he was jabbing and jabbing and hitting him with left hooks and then he was going for the body. Come the 10th round, he's hit Kell and kelbrooks Brook's just dropped to the floor and that's when he's been dropped and you can tell he was going for the face as well because when Brooks, uh Brook's... Um, Errol Spence even said that, he goes, when Kell was touching his eye, that's when they knew something was going wrong and then that's when El- Errol Spence jumped on him and was going for the eye in that and then obviously come towards the 11th round... Um, when Aaron Spence went towards him, Kelbrook dropped on his knee. Now, a lot of people have advised him that he's a quitter. But in my opinion, I wouldn't say that he's a quitter. Now, the thing is, obviously, in boxing, your eyes are the most important thing. Now, if you look at a lot of people, for example, have gone blind from fighting, obviously. In my opinion, I wouldn't call him a quitter because his eye was in... If you've seen Golovkin fight, his right eye was gone. He was finished. In the Spence fight, um, he's broken his eye so I can get it, But he's on the left eye. Now, for me, yeah, I reckon... Johnny Nelson and that have said it as well. It was that his body couldn't hack well away, that's why he was slowing down. If he was a 154 fighter, he'll be more powerful, he'll have the, he would have enough speed as well. So, I reckon, in my opinion, Errol Spence did brilliant, he shocked the world, right? He did say in the before the pre fight conference, he said, I'm coming to knock you out, and that's my prom- He said, I promise I'll knock you out, and he actually did that.
2: Yeah, I mean. The fight was, there were many rounds that was very hard to score. You know, the American viewers seemed to have it one way. The British viewers seem to have it another way. We can understand that. You know, we're both kind of pulling for our men. We're not meaning to be biased, but there probably was a bit of that going on. Um, I've got my scorecard in front of me, so I'm going to tell you guys that in a moment. Firstly, it's a fact that Brook, or not just Brook, but fighters that are coming down in weight, especially two weight classes to fight, usually tire late, okay, so that is a fact, however, Errol Spence, as you rightly said, Ayaz, was investing in those body shots early on in the fight. So that could have played a part. That could have slowed him down. It could have been a bit of both, okay? So we're going to give Errol Errol Spence a lot of credit there. We didn't know, even though he came in with the nickname The Truth, we didn't actually know if he was the truth. But I think now we do know he is the truth. He is the real deal. He's a phenomenal fighter. And he proved a lot of people wrong because we were very sure, me and, me and yourself, I, as we both predicted Brook to win, probably on points. And, um... You know, it could have been a fact that he was getting he was getting tired from coming down in weight. It could have been a fact that those body shots that Errol Spence had put in the bank early played a part. It could have just been that the eye came and he, he got a bit worried about the eye, and that was that. It could have been many, many things. I'm sure we're not really going to find them out, but we know, that the, uh, we know that the injury was the same injury that he sustained against Golovkin, but it was in the other eye. So he's got a broken eye socket in his left eye now, and he also had one in the last fight in his right eye. So when you know, I mean, his, his eyeball had to come out to, to get that you know to get that eye sorted they actually had to take his eye out so maybe that's playing on his mind you just don't know so I'm sure we're not gonna find out but you know it made for a great fight while it lasted. Here is how I scored it. I gave the first round to Brooke. I think he started quite well. I gave the second round to Spence I think that was a clear Spence round in my opinion. So I had it one one after two. I gave the third round And Fourth to Brooke, so I had it 3-1 after 4 for Brooke in the fifth I actually gave it a 10-10 round and that is where a lot of people maybe don't agree with me in the sixth I gave it to Brooke as well and then from there the seventh eighth and ninth I gave to Errol Spence which made it a draw after nine rounds and then in round 10 Brooke comes out obviously got knocked down in that round so Spence gets a 10 eight round so Spence was two points up on my scorecard so Brooke would need to come out and win the 11th round and twelfth round just to give it a draw okay and I think I was being pretty fair there to Brooke a lot of people may have not I might have been a little bit lenient I don't know I haven't really seen other people's scorecards I've just seen reaction to mine so so um yeah you know that's how I had it two rounds to go. I had it 96-94 in favour of Spence. So, yeah, for me, I think that, obviously, he was definitely coming on stronger in the later rounds. Spence, he definitely... You know, we didn't know what he was like in those later rounds because he'd only been, if I'm not mistaken, he'd only been past nine rounds once in his whole career. So we didn't know what he'd be like in those championship rounds. And he showed us that he still got a lot left in the tank at that point. Brook was obviously down in round eleven. It was the you know the situation where he took a knee. Then the referee came over to him. He got up, but then I think the referee said, "Can you see?" And he said, "No." And that was it. So, uh, or, or it might have been he actually volunteered the information to the referee and said, I can't see out of my eye. Which the referee was, I think the referee was very um, lenient towards him. I think Howard Foster did him quite a few favours, to be honest. He was in there trying to help him out a little bit. Especially the, the two times where the tape come unloose which was really nothing, and he made him go back to the corner and cut it off and get him a little bit of you know breathing time. I think it was actually, I mean, I liked to see that as much as I shouldn't because I'm supposed to be mutual, but I really like Kelbrook Brook, and I have found out that I'm actually a bit of a Kelbrook fanboy as it goes. I really, really like Kelbrook Brook a lot more than I thought I ever did. Um, you know, it was hard to stay calm watching that fight, to be honest. Um, but yeah, no, you know, the, the, the better man won on the night. I don't know if there was a rematch clause in the contract. I'm not too sure, but I I think I would probably like to see a rematch. I think Kel Brook, you know, I don't know. We we really don't know where his career is going to head from here, but I wish him all the very best. I really like Kel Brook, and um, it is what it is, to be honest. But I want to just mention one thing just before we move off of this subject. Straight after the fight, a load, a load, a load of Khan fans went onto Twitter laughing, saying this, saying that. And I kind of thought to myself, why, you know, why are they doing that? What's the real need for it? And then I remembered that when Khan got knocked out, I think that Brook posted a picture of Khan on the floor after the Canelo fight and was kind of laughing at that. And obviously, there's a lot of history there, not just between the fighters, but also between the fans. And it was kind of their revenge, so I kind of understood it in the end. But we did ask a, you know, we put a poll out on Twitter on our Twitter page, and we actually said, "Who do you think would win between Kelbrook and Amir Khan if they were to fight?" If they were to fight later this year or early next year, who do you think wins? And the votes that we got, it came in with a result of 45% people giving it to Kell Brook and 55 to Amir Khan. So it just goes to show that that fight there swayed opinion. Because I think a lot of people before that fight probably thought that Kell Brook would win. And if Kell Brook won that fight, I think it would have, it would have almost solidified the fact that he would have won. Um... You know, if anybody asked me before the fight, I'd have said that Kelbrook Brook wins, but I think that he was a little bit bothered by the speed of Errol Spence, and obviously Errol Spence is nowhere near the speed of Amir Khan, so it makes it an interesting fight, and it also um, makes it an interesting fight that what's going to happen with his eyes? Is he going to always be overly cautious to both eyes now? Is he going to lack a little bit of heart now we just don't we just do not know but my initial instinct was he didn't quit in the fight i think he's very brave i give him a lot of credit ayaz just in one sentence are we going to say that that brooke quit on the you know did he quit in that fight did he look for a way out did he quit or not
3: i don't i personally think did not I, I personally didn't think he quit and then the thing is obviously it's an eye injury at the end of the day it could make you blind in the Golovkin fight, yeah. He said in an interview, a doctor told him, you go one more round with Golovkin, you're blind. You're going to go blind.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, Yeah,
3: go on. He must have thought, like, yes, that's the same situation with my... Eye. If I go one more round, I'm going to go blind. So I reckon he didn't quit.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, you know, we as boxing fans and many other people, we expect, you know, boxers to be prepared to die in the ring. It's, you know, it's not us inside the ring. If... You know, an eyesight, it's, it's different. I've heard this from a few different guys now, but people are saying that, like, you break a hand, you break your nose, you break your jaw, they can all be healed properly and fully, um, you know, but when it comes to your eyes, you know, you, you, you want to be living for like another 50 years or 30 or 40 years after your fight career is finished. So, you know, to, to lose your sight for the rest of your life, just... You know, just to not be known as a quitter amongst boxing fans, it's crazy. So, you know, I'm with him there. I don't think he quit. I think he's got, you know, he's got a lot of balls. Even just to fight that fight, there. Many people thought he wouldn't do it. Many people thought that he should be at 154. And also, I just want to say that Dave Caldwell, who's a guy that I respect a lot in boxing, he's a guy that's been on this show many times. He's our favorite trainer to talk to. Um, I think you can go and go and look at how many times we spoke to him. I think that speaks for itself. But he actually said that. Kevin Kell Brook, at 154, is the sharpest fighter he's ever dealt with on the pads or in the gym or whatever. You know, amongst any fighter that he's ever dealt with on any weight class, he said that Kell Brook is unbelievable at 154. And, you know, he knows what he's talking about, Dave Caldwell, so I'd like to see him perhaps at 154 if he doesn't take the rematch or the calm fight. It's still a big fight, but... um. I want to ask you this, Ayaz, and I would like to ask Eddie Hearn this question as well. The last thing on this. Um, If Khan was to fight Kell Brook, Eddie Hearn's always said that that is a Wembley fight. That sells out Wembley. And I was never 100% sure that it would, in my honest opinion. But now, do you think that fight sells out Wembley? I've always
3: said that's a fight sells out Wembley. You know why? Because it's a big fight, Right. Everyone from around the world will be setting their eyes on this fight. And I'll tell you something, right? This fight, when Khan versus Brooke sells anywhere, you name it, Wembley, Old Trafford, um, this stadium in Cardiff, this fight will sell Wembley. This fight is, in my opinion, I reckon it's the biggest fight in the world Way division.
2: So you still but, oh, think yes. it's, you still think it sells out Wembley though, yeah? Yes,
3: I do. However, I think this fight will happen. It won't happen at 147, it happen at 151 in a catchway.
2: Ooh, big call but no it may happen we, we'll have to wait and see but uh, hopefully it happens but I think he's lost a bit of credibility now I think I think Eddie Herm would, would admit that as well I think that um, it's not as big as it was which is a bit of a shame it's you know yeah, it is what it is but no that's that there was another poll that we asked on Twitter we said value for money question mark which pay per view out of the last few have been worth it in your opinion full card not just the main event so I put Brooke Spence, Joshua Klitschko, Hay versus Bellew, or none. All of them were terrible. Um, the winner was Joshua vs. Klitschko with 65%. Brooke vs. Spence came in at 25%. And Hay vs. Bellew at 6%. And 4% of people said that none of them were. They were all bad. So, yeah, Eddie Hearn would be happy with those results. I think the Joshua vs. Klitschko card as a whole wasn't the greatest we know that because obviously um you know the main event was fantastic but the actual card had a few less fights than we first thought it was also the dearest pay-per-view it was 20 pound instead of the usual 17 Hay versus bell if i remember correctly had a decent little card on and brook versus spence was quite a good card as well so i put those two above it but nonetheless the actual main event The best main event out of the lot was obviously Joshua Klitschko by a mile. So is that so much better than the other two that it actually ends up winning the whole worth of pay-per-view out of the three options there? Maybe so. But I thought we'd, you know, we'd bring that up anyway. But yeah, moving away from all that, we've done some polls, we've done some reviewing. That is all we've got to talk about from last week. We're now going to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA lightweight world champion, Mr. Brandon Rios. Brandon, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back on.
0: Hey, it's nice having uh, talked to you again, man. It's been well.
2: it's my pleasure my friend so Brandon we spoke to you last August there wasn't so much to talk about at the time apart from the fact that you'd parted ways with Robert Garcia you were training at the Goose and Gym so I'm going to ask you simply um, what has really gone on since we last spoke
0: Uh, nothing you know just uh, just the training at the end just uh, getting used to uh, Ricky the way he he trains and everything just Giving us a new uh, voice in the corner, and uh, I think it's going out very well. And uh, I've just been trained, just been trained, just been trained. That's it.
2: And I remember when we last spoke, I asked you uh, a little question about Victor Ortiz. I said, you know, is that a possible fight that, that could happen? And you actually said. To be honest, I don't really want to talk about that fight. It's, it's, you know, all I've got to say about him is negative stuff. I don't really want to say that. And then a few months later, it looked like the fight was actually going to happen. Obviously, it's now not happening. What actually happened with the whole situation, Brandon?
0: Uh, honestly, uh, I guess he's complaining about the pay. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it was. Uh, it was just a bunch of bull, you know. Like I was taking a real short pay cut and he was taking one too, so... I don't know what it came down to me. I guess he will, he tried to cut himself out on the negotiation or something. Other than that, you know, I was very excited. I hope I wanted that fight to happen because a lot of people wanted that fight, but it's not happening no more. So, uh, like I not that, but I told my like I told my lawyer I can't sit around and wait for this guy. If I sit around and wait for this guy, it's never gonna happen. So please just move on and forget about him.
2: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, Brandon, you're fighting next weekend in California against Aaron Herrera. Um, I'm going to be honest, I don't know too much about him. He's obviously fought some good up and coming prospects. His record suggests he can punch a little bit. He's got a good record, 32 and 6 with one draw. Do you know much about him at all, Brandon?
0: No, not too much. I just watched some videos about him. And, uh, you know, he, he is one of those. He is very, like. I think he is very strong. I think his record's like twenty three with three losses and like eighteen by knockouts and like that. I don't know if it's as accurate or not, but I think it's like that
2: Aaron Herrera.
0: And you know, he he's just uh he's a tough opponent, man, he's a very tough guy. He's a very tough guy.
2: And on paper, it certainly would look like a tough opponent to come back to after having a 19-month layoff. Obviously, it's been by far the longest break you've had in your career. Do you believe in ring rust, Brandon? Is that on your mind at all? You know what?
0: No, I can't say ring rust. You know, I've been in the gym for one year straight, and I've been moving around. I've been sparring and everything, and I don't think there's such a ring rust. It's just the feel of the just get back in a moment at that time, maybe the first round or two, you know, I'm going to be like, Oh shit, I'm back in and I'm back in. And then all of a sudden it'll, it'll go away. But I, I don't believe there's a ring rest. And I don't think I should have a ring rest because like I said, I still have been training. It'd be different if I wasn't training and nothing, doing nothing, just um, started training all of a sudden. But no, I've been in the gym for a year and then I've been uh, working and keep my weight down and, that's the main important thing right now that we have been doing is keeping the weight down and maintaining it. And feeling strong as well still.
2: And you say there you've been training straight for a year. I know that obviously um, not all of that year would be like intense training camp. How many weeks of intense training camp have you done in, in that year, Brandon, or in the lead up to this fight?
0: I can say it's, you know, it's been like not tense training, but you know, uh, well, of course, boxing is intense training no matter what, no matter what you do, if you spar with anybody, uh, it's still intense, no matter what, because you, you're still getting hit, you're still receiving punches and everything, so uh, I can't say, I think I've really been, training camp was really, really started, and when we got, like, this fight was going to happen, like, three months ago, or something like that, like, they were talking about it, and I can say... Like, three or two months, we've been really, really, really into the tense training.
2: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And providing you beat Herrera, Brandon, and we're not going to look too far ahead, obviously, but how many of these types of fights, I don't really want to call it a warm-up because he's pretty good for just a warm-up, but I know that you really want to be at world level, I'm guessing. So, no disrespect to Herrera because he's a good fighter, obviously, but how many fights at this level just you know like a fringe kind of world level do you want to have before you get right back at the top where you belong
0: you know what uh, I'm not really thinking about like about that this type of level guy that type of level guy because uh, every fight is dangerous uh, one punch can change the fight one punch can knock out one punch can uh, uh, get you you can get knocked out pretty much so uh, I'm not really thinking like that I'm just you know, I'm going there and I'm thinking to go out there and perform the best I can perform and the ability that I've been doing and everything that I've been working on with Ricky and just go out there and show the world that I'm not done yet and I can be back on top again if I put my mind to it and if I do everything right.
2: And to be honest, I wasn't going to ask you this, um, Brandon, but it's just... It's just coming into my head right now. Um, I know that Justin Bieber has done a little bit of training down at, at the uh, the Goose and Gym as well with Ricky. Um I heard a story that you guys were both in the ring together. What was that about? Did that actually happen?
0: Uh yeah, you know, it was just moving around, nothing like crazy, you know, I was just helping him out. There's nothing like it was like part like a round that they just one round, we were just throwing each other out, you know, I wasn't going hard on him, he wasn't you know, I was practicing I mainly mostly what we was doing, practicing on my head movement and my little punches and everything. Let him throw a lot of punches, hard punches, but what we was mainly doing focusing on the head movement and everything. And you know, just keeping away reach and stuff like that. Nothing crazy. So it wasn't like uh like I went in there and kicked the shadow of his ass, he went in there and tried to beat the shadow my ass. No, it was not like that. It was just like mainly more of me working on some of the things that we were practicing on.
2: So did 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 Justin Bieber land a shot on you then?
0: Oh yeah, man, he landed a couple of shots, but you know that's part of boxing. Does of course, he hit
2: hard, Brandon? that's
0: part of, uh, I can't really say he hits hard because you know, I've been hit by way bigger guys than him. But you know, he he got a little punch to it to him. But like I said, at the end of the day, it was nothing crazy. We wasn't going crazy or nothing. It was just practicing and just moving around and, you know, let him check out some anger, too.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you say you're not really thinking about levels at the moment. You know, you're going to be taking one fight at a, at a time. But have you got your eye on anybody at all in 147? Obviously, there's so many great fighters at that weight. There's so much for you there. Have you got your eye on anybody at all?
0: But you know, honestly, I don't. Honestly, I really don't. I haven't really thought about that. And my mind focus is not even thinking about any fighters and like that until right now. My mind is just to get back here June eleventh and perform very well and get the victory and see what's next So we'll see what's on next on the next agenda that's that was on my mind right now that I'm more concentrated on getting the win and looking great and see what's on the next agenda. So right now, the main focus is that what we're working on is just be ready. Prepare ourselves the way we've been preparing ourselves, making the way layer like, we've been doing and maintaining it, and go out to perform the best I can
2: perform and be ready for the next guy. Yeah, yeah. Well said, my friend. Well said. So you should. Um, did you happen to catch the Errol Spence and Kel Brook fight at all, Brandon? If so, what did you? Yeah, think I
0: did. Uh, I actually really did. Uh, Errol Spence looked really great. He looked really, really good. He looked really, really great. You know. Kel Brook, uh, of course. Kel Brook gave him a hard time. I mean, of course, uh, Kel Brooks is uh he is a tremendous uh, boxer. Uh, he does have that boxing ability and everything. Uh, but uh, it was—it was, it was a pretty good fight, you know. Until uh, he started working in the eye and got him in the eye. And when he got him in the eye, fucking—that was it. He couldn't—he couldn't, he couldn't uh, take it no more. So, it was a really good fight, though, up until the the knockdown.
2: Yeah, I thought so, definitely. Um, a lot of people are really kind of, you know, saying all sorts of things about Brook. Even over here, especially in the U.S., a lot of people saying he quit in that fight. Do you, you know, you're an experienced guy. Do you do you believe he quit in that fight or, or not?
0: Uh, who knows, you know what I mean? We can't say he did, but he, people got to realize that he went... I, mean, I don't know if his over is fractured or what, but he went eleven rounds, eleven rounds with an overbone that he fractured or something that he hurt with a good, good left foot fight. Yeah, I think Khabib, uh, Earl Spence just work on that even more, and you know, so you can't say he did, You can't say he didn't. But you know what? You can't take nothing away from Earl Spence either. Earl Spence is a monster. He, he looks really sharp. He looks really good. I'm that fight too, so people are always going to say something about something. They're never happy. They're not happy. If you said they like blue, they're like, no, fuck that, red's better. So they can never be happy, you know what I mean? People are just going to be people no matter what.
2: Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I I have to agree with you, to be honest. And another fun fight happening soon. I'm sure that you'll definitely be into this one. Uh, Canelo against Triple G. Fantastic fight. Who <laughs> wins that one, Brandon?
0: You know what? I got to go with uh, Canelo on this one. I think Canelo is going to beat him. Because the fact that I love Triple G. I like the way he fights. I always go against him. I, I never go against Triple G. I always go against Canelo. But this time I go with Canelo. I stick with the roots. But I think he, Triple G might be, he's not too much active, you know what I mean? When he fought Kell Brook, he didn't look so sharp. When he fought Dan Jacob, he didn't look so sharp. And Canelo looked fucking tremendous against uh, Chavez. Even though Chavez didn't show up the way he's supposed to be, but that wasn't his fault. And Canelo looked really tremendous against him. And so I think I got to go with uh, Canelo on this one.
2: Yeah, it's a really good fight I think that you're right though I think um, Golovkin in his last couple fights Hasn't really looked himself Whereas Canelo looks amazing at the moment So it's hard to pick against Canelo for sure Um, And finally, Brandon The last real thing I want to say to you Last time we spoke You told me that your UK fans Probably buy more of your merchandise Than any other place in the world Are the UK fans still showing you that love?
0: Oh yeah, you know that's, That's where all my shit would go to the UK Which is awesome uh, I love it out there, man. I, I, I don't know. I wish I can experience one day, take my family out there, and we can go experience London or some of the U.K. or something like that. But, you know, uh, one day we'll do that. We'll get the opportunity to do that. But, you know, I, I love the U.K. fans because they're, like, the most loudest and the most craziest, and that's the best. That, you know, is awesome, especially when they get behind the fighters. Oh, it's awesome, dude. That atmosphere is crazy.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much for that and um there's there's actually a guy over here, Brandon. You probably don't know him, but you might surprise me. you might say you do know him, but if you were to fight this guy, it's a fantastic matchup of styles. He's actually from up the north a little bit, so he's not in London, but a guy called Sam Eginton. Do you know that name at all?
0: No, I never really know that name, i just I'll okay. just
2: tell you I'll just tell you he he just recently stopped paulie Malignaggi. i know I know that obviously paulie's you know he's 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 had better days, but he just recently stopped Paulie Malignaggi. he Just won the European title, but um, I think he's ranked quite highly with some of the sanctioning bodies. But um, that'd be a brilliant fight. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you'll know his name soon enough. But that's a oh really man. Good like I
0: said, I have no problem fighting nobody. You know, I don't really care. I fight anybody. It doesn't bother me. And if it's a fantastic fight, why not? I love being a fantastic fight because I love to get the fans. Uh, uh, fantastic fight, that's what I love to do and if it's going to be one of those type of fights, that's going to be like a war and fans are going to love and appreciate it, of course, I would love to get in the ring with them.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and a lot of people say that but not many mean it more than you and that is that is definitely true. Okay, listen, Brandon, thank you so much for giving me some of your time, it's always great speaking with you, best of luck for next weekend and we'll catch up sometime soon.
0: All right, you too, my friend, thank you very much.
2: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But before we get into that, we're going to go over to Ayaz with this week's latest news.
3: Robert Guerrero will face Omar Figueroa Jr. on July 15.
2: Yeah, Omar Figueroa, a guy that we've had on the show before. He's been a little bit frustrated. He's had a lot going on outside the ring. I think he's also had... Um, another kid. Um, yeah, he's been out the ring for a long time. It's going to be good to see him back in the ring. He's still a guy that people forget about because of his inactivity. He's still a guy that's undefeated. He's still a guy that potentially is one of the best American fighters out there in terms of pound for pound. I really like Omar Figueroa. He's a really good guy. And um, this fight is a hard one back, even though that we know... We know Robert Guerrero's definitely seen better days. He's nowhere near the fighter he was. He's a bit of a warrior. Um, it, you know, that's all he really gets credit for these days. But, you know, it's a tough fight to come back to because he definitely will give it, a, you know, he'll really give it a good go, Guerrero. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one to come back to, but we definitely wish Omar Figueroa all the very best and I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Any other news, Ayas?
3: Yes. Miguel Cole with a Yoshira Kamiga. At the StubHub Center, in Carson, California, for the vacant WBO light middleweight championship, on August twenty sixth.
2: Yeah, this is one where Liam Williams obviously fought Liam Smith for the interim WBO title, and Liam Smith won the fight, and it was it was a terrible ending to the fight. We all know that, and he won the fight but he didn't make the weight so the title still was vacant whereas if he would have actually won that fight or someone would have won that fight or he would have actually made the weight properly he would have been the interim WBO champion and he would have probably been elevated to the WBO full world champion but because that has all not happened obviously he didn't make the weight, the fight ended the way it did and all the rest of it there's been enough time for a actual fight to be made for the full title. So, obviously, as you said there, Miguel Cotto's taking on um, Yoshishiro Kamagai. Now, Kamagai is a guy that fought um, Robert Guerrero. I remember they had a real, real war. It was a really, really, really good fight. He's tough as anything, Kamagai. And, um, yeah, it's funny that we just mentioned Guerrero there. But, no... Kamagai is a guy that will come and give it his all. I think it's a really tough fight, to be honest, for Miguel Gotta at this part of his career. Kamagai has got 24 knockouts from 27 wins, and he's never been stopped. He's got three losses, but he's never been stopped. He's really, really tough. So, yeah, it's interesting, that fight, really. I think it's going to be a lot closer than probably many people think it will be, but no, definitely a good fight to watch out for, for sure. Mike Pires is ready to uh, return when he takes
3: on Tommy McCarthy in Belfast.
2: Yeah, Mike Perez, again, we've said it a few times on this show. His last fight was against Povetkin. He got absolutely banged out, but we don't know really what Povetkin was taking. Was he clean at that point? We've got no idea. But Mike Perez has been out the ring since 2015. He's supposed to have fought many, many times in the last few weeks in Ireland. He keeps on being you know, added to shows that he doesn't even end up fighting on. And now he's taking on Tommy McCarthy. Now, Tommy McCarthy is a guy that people were quite high on. People you know were saying that he's going to be quite a good fighter. he's obviously a prospect. okay, so Tommy McCarthy was nine and O until he ran into Mattiaskin, who we mentioned earlier, Mattiaskin probably being the best domestically, and he lost unanimously to Mattiaskin, um, and he was also down twice in the fourth round there, Tommy McCarthy, and he hasn't fought since that fight. It's either a great bit of matchmaking or a terrible bit of matchmaking there. But I suppose we'll have to see in hindsight. We'll have to do it in hindsight. But, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a strange one, to be honest. And um, hopefully it happens. It looks like it will be happening. And uh, we'll have to just wait and see, I suppose. Yep, that's it for the news. Okay, Ayaz, thank you very much. Right, moving over to the previewing now. There's not too much to talk about, really, but we're going to start with a card happening tomorrow, Friday the 2nd of June 2017. Starting over in Australia, it's the return of Lucas Brown. So Lucas Brown's obviously been out of the ring for quite a while, uh, since beating Ruslan Shagaev for the WBA world title, and then... You know, he got stripped of the belt for failing a test and then apparently he passed the test and apparently he failed another one I really do not know what's going on he denies absolutely everything we will be speaking to Lucas Brown on this show very soon, probably next week or something but yeah, I'm glad to see him back I want to really know or get to the bottom of what's going on here there's been a lot of people failing tests again, the drug that he's been suspected of taking is not one that makes sense for him to take He was stripped of the title. He feels like he's been hard done by... But nonetheless, he returns against a guy called Matthew Greer, who's a bit of a journeyman. I think Matthew Greer lost to Huey Fury by stoppage, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been points, but I'm sure he definitely fought Huey Fury. I remember the name. So Matthew Greer has a record of 16 and 20. Lucas Brown, 24 and oh, It's only a six-rounder there, and that one's at the Club Punch Bowl in New South Wales, Australia. All the very best of luck to Big Daddy Brown. Moving over now to the Brentwood Centre, also happening tomorrow night in Brentwood. Essex, United Kingdom. Top of the bill, Bradley Skeet, friend of the show. We had him on last week's show. He defends his British welterweight title against Shane Singleton. Bradley Skeet, 25-1. and one. Shane Singleton, 23-1 one with one draw. All the very best to our friend Bradley Skeet. Also on the bill, set up to be a bit of a war. It's a rematch between Lee Markham, 17-3 with one draw. And Joe Mullender, 9-2. This one's for the English middleweight title, the belt that Lee Markham holds. Harley Ben gets out in his second pro contest. His opponent yet to be announced. It's a four-rounder at super middleweight there. Also on the bill, Charlie Duffield gets back in the ring. He's been out since losing to that journeyman. I remember being at York Hall for that one. That was a crazy fight. So we wish him all the very best. Champagne Charlie Driscoll gets on the bill as well. He's in his fifth professional contest his opponent yet to be announced as well Sanjeev Sohota gets out again he was on the bill um a couple weeks ago at the uh at the Copper Box on the Javonte Davis undercard. His record at the moment, 7-0. His opponent yet to be announced. And also Boy Jones Jr. gets out again. His opponent yet to be announced. His record, 12-1 with one draw. Moving over now to the 2300 Arena. I think that's the name of it. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, United States of America. One fight to mention over here. Henry Hank Lundy, 27-6 and with one draw. He's in an 8 record rounder at lightweight his preferred weight against Daniel Evangelista Jr who has a record of 20 and 7 with two draws. We'll be talking to Hank Lundy very shortly and we're going to save most of the talk for this fight till then but we wish Hank Lundy the very best in this fight. Moving over now to Canada. There's a fight happening at the Bell Centre in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Adonis Stevenson, 28-1, and putting his WBC World Light Heavyweight title on the line against Andre Fonfara, 29-4. and Fonfara coming off that win over Chad Dawson, a man that Adonis Stevenson iced for the belts. Um, quite a while back now actually but Adonis Stevenson really has been known as Adonis Chickinson, he's been ducking a few people but nonetheless he's a good fighter, he's an exciting fighter and we will be looking at that fight with close attention, also on the bill Alida Alvarez, a really good fighter a man that Adonis Stevenson paid step aside money to to be able to actually take on next in line which was Shawnee Munigan. and then that fight didn't happen for whatever reason so it's a rematch with Fonfara but Alida Alvarez is a promising prospect, He's record 22-0. He takes on former world champion Jean Pascal who has a record of 31-4 with one draw. That's a brilliant, brilliant fight. I'm really looking forward to that one. That is fight of the weekend for me. and um, That one is also for the WBC silver light heavyweight title. Also on that bill, heavyweight um, heavyweight Olympian Oscar Rivas is on the bill as well. His record 20 and 0. His opponent yet to be announced. Moving over now to Russia. One fight really to mention over here. A man called Dmitry Kudryashov who has a record of 20 and 1 takes on Olin... <laughs> this is going to be hard. Olin rawaju Dorodola who has a record of 25 and 3. This one's for the WBC Silver Cruiserweight title. Um... Dmitry Kudryashov is a man with a record of 20 and 1 as I said 20 of those fights that he's had, 20 of those wins, have all come by knockout. Okay? And the one loss was also a knockout. So, every single fight as a pro that Kudryashov's been in has been a knockout. And that knockout was to this guy, Dorudula, in 2015, in November. Uh, He was knocked out in the second round. He won the first round on all three judges' scorecards, but was knocked out in the second round. So, this is the well, it's the uh, you know the highly anticipated rematch. Can he knock Duradola out and get his career back on track? Can he right the wrong? We're going to have to wait and see. But that's it from the Sports Palace in russia somewhere in russia that i cannot pronounce moving over now to the lagoon leisure center in paisley scotland one or two fights to mention on this bill friend of the show frankie gavin gets out again he's in an eight rounder at welterweight his opponent yet to be announced his record at the moment 24 and three and that is really it for the previewing we've whizzed through it as quick as possible there's really not much action this weekend but we wish our friends all the very best of luck of course And now, to wrap up part two, and just before we end the show, there's one last thing to do, as always, and it's, of course, to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former challenger for the WBO World Super Lightweight title, Mr. Hank Lundy. Hank, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back on.
1: Oh, man, thanks for having me. All love, man. (laughs)
2: All love, for sure. So, Hank, we last spoke to you quite a while back now. It was a couple of weeks before your last fight, which was against uh, John Delpadang, which was actually five yeah. months ago today. Um, we knew that the guy could hit hard. We knew that, um, you know, he was a bit of a banger going into the fight. His power didn't really play no part in the fight. You beat him unanimously over 12 rounds and very wide, too. Um, what did you make of that fight, Hank? Oh,
1: man, you know, I just wanted to test myself coming back you know, from my surgery, and to see if Hammer and Hank was 100%. Um, it was a young, hungry warrior, you know, tough guy, you know, and um, we, went, we, we went in there, man, with the war. It wasn't no plan. And, you know, I found out what Hammer and Hank is really all about. You know, through the injury, I came back. I'm 100, 110% strong now, man.
2: So Hank, on to obviously the next one you're fighting on Friday at the is it it's called the 2300 arena right? Yes, yeah. The 2300 arena. So it's it's basically becoming it's you know it's coming quite a uh, a good boxing venue. It almost in some ways, seems to have taken over a little bit from the uh, the Blue Horizon, which is obviously a place you've oh, yeah, a few a, a few yeah, times most, as well.
1: Yeah, most definitely. You know, being as the Blue Horizon shut down, this became the number one spot. And you know, um the fighters in Philly and all over, man, we putting on shows, you know, and I'm I'm happy and I'm excited to be fighting here. I fought there as an amateur, but as a pro, this is big now. I'm 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 ready to shut the city down, man. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I was just gonna say there, it's um yeah, as I say, it's took over a little bit from the blue horizon, so to speak. In recent years, and you know, there there's been many fights there, especially with Philadelphia based fighters. You haven't fought in your hometown for over seven years. So I was really just gonna ask you, are you happy to be fighting in your backyard again, Hank?
1: Oh, most definitely. You know, I get to come home, you know, and put on a good show, you know. Um, like I'm I'm gonna put it like this. If the guy if I if I see a shot and it's open for me to knock the guy out, he's going bye-bye. I'm not going to sit around and play around with nobody because, like I said, one punch changed the fight. I'm going in there and going to work. I train hard because feel as though you fight in your hometown, you have to train a little bit harder. And we ready.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when we last spoke, Hank, you were frustrated a little bit because you were telling me you were saying to me, Joey, I'm a different fighter at lightweight, but no one wants to fight me there, so I've got a fight at 140 where I'm not 100% comfortable. Your last fight, obviously, as you said there, you were coming off the injury, It was at lightweight. So this is one, again, that's at lightweight. So are you feeling good back down at 135, Hank, where I don't oh, think you I, truly belong I, I, there?
1: Yeah, I feel super strong, man. I'm ready physically and mentally, man. I'm I'm ready, you know? I'm about to take it over at lightweight, man. I'm about to actually, you know, go at another run at this world title, you know. They're getting one at, th- at, at 140, you know, the bigger guy, Terrence Crawford. I went to work, and I felt as though I'd have got past that fifth round. He'd have been in trouble. I could have beat him. But, you know, um, you know, I made a mistake. He capitalized it off it, and that was that, you know. And I'm looking forward to getting there with him again. Hopefully I win this world title at 35, and I could take that belt up and go fight him at 140 again.
2: Yeah, but he's definitely a, a guy that's uh, looking good at the moment. Obviously, looming to uh, to possibly moving up to one four seven. But yeah, maybe. Um, now you're taking on a man by the name of Daniel Avangelista. I think I'm saying that right. I don't know too much about him, Hank. If I'm honest, he's twenty and seven with two draws. He's actually fought in the state of Pennsylvania more recently than yourself. Do you know much about him, Hank? Um, no. You know, I know
1: he's a, a come-forward guy. You know, he likes to box a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, Hank Lundy's been in there with everybody. You know, so I had all different types of sparring preparing for this fight. So, you know, I'm not, you know, um, taking this guy lightly or sleeping on him. You know, it just, when, I'm, when it's time to go in that ring, man, I'm going to work. He got to worry about a beast.
2: And Hank, I want to ask you, at 1.35, the two top guys, pretty much everybody would say that the two top guys are Mikey Garcia and Jorge Linares. Um, if those guys were to fight, which it's looking like it may happen, who do you reckon would win that one?
1: Um, to be truthful, i give it to Lenores, more skillful guy, a veteran. i give it to Lenores, you know, one of the guys that I've been chasing, you know, for years too and wanting to the fight. You know, so I'd give it
2: to him. Yeah, definitely a great fight if that does happen. And the other champs at 135, obviously I just mentioned there, Lenares and Garcia. Uh, then there's obviously Robert Easter Jr., which if I'm not mistaken, is a good friend of yours. And... Uh, I'm taking you guys. Probably wouldn't fight if you're if you're really good friends. And the only other guy it leaves is Terry Flanagan. Uh, that's obviously a great fight. That would be perfect over in the UK, especially giving you a chance to come and fight over here, which I know you'd like to do. Um, yeah. So is the Robert Easter Junior fight out of the question because of friendship or? Oh no! Hell no! He got a world title.
1: Something I want. You know. So let's get it. You know. Like I said, man. I'm a fight or two fights away from fighting for a world title at 135. I'm one of the big names down there at 135. So, you know, if they give me the chance, I want the fight. I want all the champs. you know. I'm not one of these guys that, you know, just been here to fight and then put in front of by. I'm one of the top guys at 135. You know, give me any one of the chance at 35. I guarantee I'll beat him.
2: And obviously, we know that, uh, you know, Robert Easter Jr. is obviously closely linked with Adrian Broner. You and Adrian Broner, you know, we all knew that you guys were friends. Apparently, something happened where you're now not friends. Can you go into that at all for us?
1: Oh, yeah. I was at Cincinnati, you know, at a fight down there. And, you know, he walked me out. But in the crowd, you know, I had had real friends in Philly, you know. One of them, my strength and conditioning trainer. And he was making fun clowning around. You know And one thing about me man If I'm cool with you I'm real with you 24-7 I don't play that behind the back Talking shit You know what I mean That ain't Hank Lundy So I got the word I called him You know And I told him to meet up with me You know He ain't wanna meet up with me Oh, uh, he said He hit me on the phone all oh, on, on with um Instagram Oh, you being um You being sensitive man It's all jokes I'm a realster man I'm from Philly I don't play around like that So like I told him and he knows, you know what, since that, I'm i the next to, to fight you. I'm help Sean Porter get ready to beat you. I'm help Adrian Gennadis. Now, the only person that want to step in the ring and get the job done is Hank Lundy. Step up. If you, if you fight Martin Garcia, if you don't,
2: I'm next in line. Let's go. I come to 147. So, so just just if we just rewind a minute there. So, something happened with your strength and conditioning trainer which initiated some sort of issue with, with Adrian Brunner. Is that right?
1: Well, it just the fight was on um, on Facebook Live. I, I think he had it on Facebook Live. And he was just clowning around, talking bad, you know, making jokes. And I don't get down like that. I mean, yeah,
2: but I Hank Lundy
1: was like that. There's a lot of stuff I could say that I could call you out on, but I'm a real dude at the end of the day. So, you know what I mean? When you down, I'm not going to kick you. I'm going to put it like that, and he know what I'm talking about.
2: Okay, we'll leave that there. Um, moving over to something else now, Hank. Um, you may or may not have seen the fight. It just happened, obviously, last weekend. Did you happen to catch the Kell Brook and Errol Spence fight? Oh, yeah,
1: I watched it, man. A hell of a fight.
2: What did you make of it?
1: Oh, man, Errol Spence, you know, he showed up and showed out. You know, a lot of people ain't give him a chance, you know. Because um, Kell Brook, you know, the bigger guy, bigger walk to But, you know, um, Kell Brook, he hung in there. And he showed his true colors and he showed what it, be, um, what it is to be a true champion. You know, to go over the seas. you know, um, like a guy myself. You know, I'm always on the road fighting. And he showed up and showed out. A lot of love and respect to Earl spent.
2: Yeah, I have to agree with that 100%. And finally, Hank, is there any other fights you've watched lately or any fights that's coming up that you want to give an opinion on at all before we let you go?
1: Oh, man, you know, I'm watching everybody, especially a lightweight 140. You know, they got some good talent out there. But like I said, man, Hank Lundy is one of the key guys in his in his boxing world, you know. um, It ain't a show if Hank L- if Hank Lundy ain't in it, you know. <laughs> one thing about it, I'm always putting on a show. I've never been in a dog fight, you know, and I'm willing to fight anybody, you know what I mean. But it got to be worth my risk and worth my while, you know, because at the end of the day, Hank Lundy is a big name in the boxing game, so... I'm like this. At the end of the day, I won all the world titles at 135. If at 135, at 142, throw your ass in there too. We can get it. And I ain't too shy about, you know, 147.
2: Okay, listen, Hank. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. You know that yourself. Thanks for your time. Best of luck on Friday, and we'll catch up sometime after.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for the love and the support. And I'm gonna leave it like this. Hammer and Hank coming to a city and town near you. It's Hammer Time
2: okay and this concludes another episode of the box hard podcast it's been episode 85 a big thank you to our two guests on this week's show mr brandon rios and Hammerin hank lundy a big shout out on twitter to our friend ed messenger as well i've been your host joey coastman i as sumra has been i as sumra remember you can follow us on twitter and instagram at box hard podcast we'll be back next week with another big show as per usual until next time Take care.